Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 75. Glad to have you back on the program. we got a really good topic today, something that's uh, been in the news I think is uh, indicative of the fake news issue that we hear about all the time. But let me get to that in a minute before I do. If you like this podcast, please share it around on social media. It's the only way we can help grow this audience. Also, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, like my YouTube page. Um, if you want a free ebook, Forgotten Founders in American History, uh, you can go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. You can give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook and a free audiobook read by yours truly of Forgotten Founders in American History. It's all it takes, and then I'll send you an email here and there. I'm going to promise to be a little better with that. I keep saying that, but uh, I have so many things going on, it's hard to keep up with my email list, but I will uh, make a commitment to try to do better with that beginning this week, and particularly with this issue that I'm going to talk about today. It's so good that uh, I could discuss this all day long, but I don't have time for that. we got about 30 minutes for a podcast, so I'm going to cover it in about 30 uh, and it is, like I said, a fake news issue. So stop the press. We have conclusive proof that in the 18th century, James Wilson was lying. And you might be saying, well, who the heck is James Wilson? Well, I hope you would have read my uh, Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers where I talk about James Wilson. But I will also talk, and I've talked about James Wilson in my uh, Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution. And James Wilson is going to be a central figure in my how Alexander Hamilton screwed up America. So, um, at least at one in one chapter. So, uh, let's talk about James Wilson and this big news that came out of Harvard, of all places. Uh, I think they got some things wrong, and I'll talk about that. But they found uh, these two researchers. Let me let me read the the news article. This is from, uh, let's see, this is from the uh, Harvard Gazette. And it says, I'm going to to read this. So it started with a one-line entry from the catalog of a tiny records office in the town of Chester in the south of England. Manuscript copy on parchment of the Declaration in Congress of the 13 United States of America. As part of an effort to assemble a database on every known edition of the Declaration of Independence, Emily Sneff, a researcher with the Declaration Research Project, stumbled upon the listing in August 2015. Although she hadn't thought much of it at the time, the short description would set Sneff and Harvard's Danielle Allen on a two-year journey into American history. So, they found this little description of a parchment copy of the Declaration in England, in West Sussex. Um, and so they go over to this uh, little office, this little records office, to look it up. And what they found was an actual parchment copy of the Declaration. Now, there aren't many of these around, uh, but this one was different uh, because 
first of all, why was this declaration, this copy of this declaration in England? And second of all, it was written differently. So they've concluded after a couple of years of looking at this thing, that this particular copy of the Declaration was commissioned by James Wilson of Pennsylvania. And the thing that made it different, and they get into this, and this they write a whole paper about it, and I'll start talking about their paper in a minute. The thing that made it so different was that at the bottom of the Declaration, the signers are not listed by state. They're just listed as one group. As they say, quote, But the Sussex Declaration scrambles the name so they are no longer grouped by state. It is the only version of the Declaration that does that, with the exception of an engraving from 1836 that derives from it. This is really a symbolic way of saying we are all one people or one community, to quote James Wilson. So that's the key to this particular Declaration. As I said, this is 18th century fake news. Now, how could I say that? Well, James Wilson is the key to the entire mystery. You see, James Wilson was one of the most ardent nationalists in the founding generation. And what do I mean by a nationalist? This is going to right at the heart of what I call the nationalist myth of American history. And that myth is simply like this. America was created as a singular nation on the principles of justice and equality. And so those that don't believe that are somehow anti-American. And that in order for us to figure this out, we need to read Alexander Hamilton and John Marshall and Abraham Lincoln. And what they firmly believe is that the Union predated the states. And this is the argument that Hamilton had made, but John Marshall had made more forcefully in McCulloch v. Maryland when he had said, well, of course the Constitution was ratified by the states because there was no other way to do it. It was ratified by the people in the states because that's the only way the people could speak. This is exactly what James Wilson was saying beginning in the early 1780s, and he stayed with that argument through his entire life. Simply that the United States was always one singular nation and that the states were essentially the creation of this one singular nation. Now, we have to understand who James Wilson of Pennsylvania was. James Wilson of Pennsylvania was a Scottish immigrant, uh, and he was called James de Caledonia by his opponents because he wore these little wire-rimmed spectacles that he, at the end of his nose. He often peered over these things in a very condescending way as he was making speeches. James de Caledonia uh, was from a part of Pennsylvania that, uh, as he settled in, in Pennsylvania, that was well known for being the center of nationalist thought in America. That was in the eastern part of the state, principally around uh, Philadelphia. And during the war, there was one particular point when Caledonia's credentials in terms of being a patriot, were questioned. Now, he was able to shield himself because he was very good friends with Robert Morris, of Pen also of Pennsylvania, the financier of the revolution. 
And so with Robert Morris's support, uh, Wilson uh, was able to say, well, I was an ardent patriot. And eventually, he did sign the Declaration. But he wasn't necessarily for it. His principles wavered oftentimes in this period leading up to the war. Now, this was not unusual. You had uh, many Americans, probably about uh, a good third, if not more, of Americans who were not necessarily for independence. He might have been more in that middle group who believed the colonies. He was yeah, definitely in the middle group. They believed the colonies were uh, had, had valid grievances, but he wasn't certain that independence was the right thing. That is until uh, it became clear that the political wind was blowing in that way, so he, he sided with independence. So after the war is over, Wilson starts pursuing a much more nationalist position when it comes to the powers of the central government. Now, he was opposed by the Western Pennsylvanians. These are uh, people uh, who distrusted this powerful central authority. And not only that, distrusted the powerful central authority in Pennsylvania itself. These Western Pennsylvanians, these farmers, did not like the Eastern Bloc of representatives from Pennsylvania because they believed that these people were interested in finance and commerce, and they were hostile to the agrarian interests of Western Pennsylvania. Now, this should all sound familiar because this particular battle that brewed in Pennsylvania, that was front and center in Pennsylvania politics, eventually was a larger issue in the entire United States. But more importantly, it was a battle over the powers of the central authority in Pennsylvania. And so as we move forward into the 1780s, and the Articles of Confederation, of course, have been put into place in 1781, and we all know the Articles of Confederation had Article 2, which said that each state retains its sovereignty and independence. So you've got a document for the, this is the first Constitution of America, where the states are central. Now, how did this happen? Well, according to the real history of America, this happened because when Jefferson wrote the Declaration, the most important part of that document is the last paragraph. And this is interesting because James Wilson also agrees with that. But his interpretation of that last paragraph is far different from virtually everyone else in the founding generation. This is where you get into the fake news of James Wilson. So that last paragraph, which is rarely cited, everyone goes to the second paragraph where Jefferson said all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's where... Uh, people often go when they look at the Declaration and say, well, here is the most important part of the Declaration. That's false. The most important part of the Declaration is the last paragraph. And this last paragraph, if you've never read it before, I hope you had if you listen to this podcast, but I'm going to read the last paragraph. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, 
and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. Okay, so that's the most important component of the Declaration. Because here we see that Jefferson says that these united colonies, and I'm going to use the language that Wilson also uses, these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great, the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy work, include peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may have right to. So let's, let's break this apart. Jefferson was saying to virtually everyone in the founding generation, except for James Wilson and maybe Charles Pinckney of South Carolina, but Jefferson was saying here that, yes, at one time, these united colonies, they were united in their allegiance to the crown, are now free and independent states that they, meaning these independent states, and we'll understand what he means by states in a second, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them, these free and independent states, and the state of Great Britain, and there's the key to the entire document. So Great Britain is a state. By saying we are the state of Virginia or the state of Massachusetts or the state of Pennsylvania or the state of New York, you are saying these states, these independent states, are the same as Great Britain. Each one of them is the same as the state of Great Britain. And that they, these states, individually can do all things that independent states may have right do. And how do we know this? Because the Articles of Confederation codified that. So we know this is how the founding generation thought of the Union. It was a union of states. A union of states tied together in common cause against the British crown, but still 13 independent countries, and that each state retained its sovereignty and independence. Now, the only one who really contradicted this version of American history was James Wilson of Pennsylvania. James Wilson did not believe that. He believed that what this meant, these united colonies are, and of right ought to be free independent states, that they stayed, the united colonies predated the, the union under the Articles. So there was already a union, and then they created these independent states, which were singular still. When Wilson reads that paragraph, he says, no, no, no. These united colonies are a singular union, and then we have a singular free and independent states. Now, if Jefferson intended to be a singular union, then he would have said, are a free and independent state, not plural, but singular. That would have been an independent state, like the state of Great Britain or the state of Virginia. And this was a conscious choice of words, because a state was a sovereign political entity. And by using the plural, you're saying that each one of these states is independent. Wilson didn't read it that way. He thought by using the plural, we're still one big mass of people. One people 
declaring her independence from Great Britain. Which is also interesting because Maryland declared its independence separately, for example. So did Virginia. Virginia was already working on becoming independent before we had the Declaration. So if these states were somehow one union, one union, then uh, they would have said that in a much clearer form. In fact, when you get to the 1783 Treaty of Paris, each state is recognized individually with a peace treaty with Great Britain. So it's very clear from the evidence, from the historical record, that what we had in 1776 were 13 independent states tied together, eventually by an Articles of Confederation. Confederation of what? A union of what? States. But that's not what Wilson thought. So here we have, in 1785, and this uh, Allen and Sneff, Get into this in their little paper that they've now written. It's now available online. Uh, what they say is that, wait a second here. Wilson was on to something. That, in fact, we did have a union of states or a union before the Articles of Confederation. This un wasn't a union of states. It was a singular union of United Colonies. That Wilson was actually telling the truth. That Wilson, James Wilson of Pennsylvania, was the only authority that mattered because he knew and nobody else did. This is essentially their position. So in 1785, James Wilson decided to defend the Bank of North America. Now, this is an important development. The Bank of North America was the first central banking system for America, for the United States. These United States. And... The Articles of Confederation were silent on the power to charter a bank or incorporate a bank. And so in the 1780s, there was an issue. This was proposed at the, at the General Congress that we needed a Bank of the United States. We need a Bank of the United States. Or a Bank of North America, as they called it. We need a central banking system. Well, there's no power to do that. So... The Congress resolved, and I get into this in more detail in my forthcoming How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America on the chapter on the bank. The Congress resolved that there will be a bank created. But, of course, the Congress and the Articles passed resolutions, not laws. A resolution was not a law. It's like a United Nations resolution. We resolved to do this, but then it requires the sovereign entities to put it into practice. So it needed the states to say, okay, we'll put this bank into effect. And so Pennsylvania was the, was the testing ground for this bank. So Pennsylvania passed legislation to the effect that we're going to have a Bank of North America, which would essentially serve to centralize finances for the United States government. Now, there was a question as to whether this thing was even constitutional. And this is where James Wilson comes in. So in 1785... He asked for a number of records that he could get so he could start doing some research on the United States government. And he wrote a little pamphlet on the bank, but he also gave a speech where he defended the bank. And this is where he started coming up with his fake news. This is all fake news. This is spin. We would call this fake news today. 
And so he says this, quote, To many purposes, the United States are, now he's even saying it in the plural, the United States are to be considered as one undivided, independent nation, and as possessed of all the rights and powers and properties by the law of nations incident to such. Whenever an object occurs, the direction of which no particular state is competent, the management of it must, of necessity, belong to the United States and Congress assembled. There are many objects of this extended nature, the purchase, the sale, the defense, and, uh, and the governments of lands and, count and countries, not within any state, are all included under this description. An institution for circulating paper and establishing its credit over the whole United States is naturally ranged in the same class. The Act of Independence was made before the Articles of Confederation. This Act declares that these United Colonies are free and independent states, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to do all the things which uh, independent states may of right do. <clears throat> so here is the nationalist myth in 1785. This is the same thing that Hamilton and Marshall would say, but Wilson would double down on this throughout his career. He made these same points during the uh, debates in the Philadelphia Convention of 1787. He made these same points in the ratification of the Constitution of Pennsylvania in 1787. He believed that we had a national government in Philadelphia. Somehow. Now, of course, he's spinning this so that this Bank of North America can be chartered. Because there's no power in the Articles to charter a bank. So he's saying, well, it doesn't matter because this bank is necessary for us to do our job. And the states can't do this themselves. So we got to have one singular currency. we got to do that. So we need a Bank of North America to do it. It's an ingenious argument. It's an implied powers argument. This implied powers argument predates Hamilton by uh, several years. In fact, uh, about six years. So, Wilson is making this up. You want to talk about fake news. He made this entire thing up. This spin on what the Articles was and what the Union was was entirely new. Nobody had ever said this before. But he's saying it because he's trying to defend a bank that he wants. So he's spinning the Declaration. Now, Sneff and Allen say, well, Wilson was the only one who really used the Declaration to defend their position. That it wasn't just an act of independence, it was a governing document, in other words. That that declaration was somehow a governing document of the United States. That, again, would have been news to anyone in the founding generation. All it did was say, look, we are free and independent states. We've broken away from Great Britain. There's no government there. There's no union there. There's no nothing there. James Wilson was making that up, but Sneff and Allen have bought it. In fact... They call his argument clever and elegant. Clever and elegant. This is a clever argument. A better word for that was a lie. It was sophistry. But yet they've bought the lie, and so they run with it. So actually, Sneff and Allen have said, well, Wilson was entirely correct. The Union, obviously, because of the Declaration, predated the Articles of Confederation. We already had a Union. 
The interesting thing about that is no one else thought that. In fact, John Adams called these people ambassadors from the colonies and later the states. They were ambassadors going to this Continental Congress. The Continental Congress had to have instructions from their constituent members. In other words, the states. The states were telling these people what to do. And Jefferson was irritated in 1776 that he had to stay behind in the stupid Continental Congress when the real juice was in Virginia. He wanted to be there, writing their constitution, not sitting around in Philadelphia worrying about some declaration that really meant nothing in the whole scheme of things because the states were going to be independent anyways. What these men figured out is that, well, if we had a singular declaration of all the states, well, that would carry more weight than all the individual states doing this. But that's essentially what they were doing. And they all signed by state. The vote was by state, not delegate. If there's any other evidence that you need that this was a state action, it was by state. They all signed it by state. It was organized that way to show that these people represented their states. They were representatives of the states, not of one singular nation. So Wilson is making up this entire history, and then he goes a step further, and he makes a, a declaration, he makes this thing up, and formats it to fit his agenda. And this is the declaration that was found in Sussex, England, a declaration to fit his agenda. What this proves conclusively is that the nationalist myth is just that, a myth and a lie. It always has been, but yet no one ever saw it that way. Well, now we have conclusive proof that these people had to make this entire thing up. Because if they didn't make it up, well, then there's no proof that they were right. So Wilson says, you know what, I'm going to go one step further. You can see his mind thinking here. I'm going to go and I'm going to commission a declaration that proves my point. In other words, he's fabricating a document so that he can say, well, here it is. I mean, this is clearly true. Nobody thought that these people were, were voting by state. They were just signing by individual. The entire record is against this. The entire record is against this. Now we have evidence. We have proof unearthed by these two uh, scholars from Harvard that somehow by Wilson's argument, even though the whole entire history of the United States, these United States, is staring them in the face and they think, well, wait a second here, Wilson was actually right. And in their paper, they go so far as to provide images and that, uh, well, at one point, uh, there was one copy of the Declaration made where they didn't separate it out, but then they separated it out because that's what everybody just did. Almost like, well, they didn't really think this, but because one person did it, well, then everyone else did it. This is their argument, essentially. And J James Wilson was actually right. He was actually correct in all this. He was correct in saying that the, uh, the states weren't really there yet, that the Union was there before the states. Uh, the evidence is all against him. And to prove it, you just have to see that he made up a document. I mean, this would be like going out as a lawyer and saying, you know what, uh, my client is innocent, and what I'm going to do is make up something to prove that he's innocent. This is better call Saul territory. <laughs> when uh, uh, he, he makes up a, a video so that he can prove that uh, his guy is innocent. 
he makes up, he fabricates evidence. I mean, this if you haven't seen that show, it's great. It's Breaking Bad. It's the pre, it's the uh, the prequel to Breaking Bad. It's very good. Uh, but I mean, this is you make up a document. Here it is, Lord. Here it is, Judge. I got this document right here in my hand uh, that the Declaration uh, said that we had one union. Because here's why. Look at this at the bottom, right here. All these people. Uh huh. They didn't sign by state. They signed by individual. This is one mass of people, judge. Believe me. Believe me. Of course, the judge in this case were the people of the states and the people of Pennsylvania who he's speaking to. And they're saying, Wilson, you're full of junk. No, this is not true. If it was true, then it would have been bought wholesale by the people of the states. But they didn't. They didn't. They never did. In fact, Wilson himself, after the Constitution was uh, signed, he had to go out and say, well, you know what, the central government, yeah, I mean, the states are still important. Uh, They still have all the power except for what we've delegated to the central authority. Now, of course, he's a nationalist, and he's going to keep taking that position even after the Constitution is ratified. In other words, he lied. So did Alexander Hamilton. They lied. But here is conclusive proof that James Wilson lied. He made it up as he went to prove a point that the Bank of North America was constitutional and that somehow it was necessary. And this idea where the states are incompetent, you're going to hear that again in Philadelphia. And you know what? That particular position was rejected at the Philadelphia Convention because the idea there was to have a negative, and this is where Charles Pinckney picks this up, a negative over state laws. And that was rejected outright. There was going to be no negative over state law. The central government was not going to be able to negate a state law. Uh, and so even John Marshall said that in the Virginia Ratifying Convention. Of course, the Supreme Court go ahead and goes and does it later on. But the idea was you could not negate a state law because the states had all the power. The states had delegated the authority of the central government or granted it to them. The power doing, and I, I already did a podcast on this, you know, I grant you the power. By having that power, they can rescind that power. So when you go down the list and you say, well, Hamilton said this, and Marshall said this, and Story said this, and, and Lincoln said this, but it all comes back to James Wilson who said this. You see, it's proven now that in order to prove their point, they had to make up a document. Quite simple. They had to make something up. So next time one of your uh, friends or colleagues or adversaries gets on and says, well, you know, Lincoln was right uh, about the Declaration, the Gettysburg Address, and then we got John Marshall and Joseph Story and, and Alexander Hamilton. I've seen this so many times. There was, I just read a review the other day of my book, How Nine, uh, The Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. Um, well, this lawyer from California goes out there and says, well, you know, uh, originalism is just uh, an idol tree of the Constitution. And, uh, no, that's not originalism. Originalism is uh, where we look at the ratifying debates to find meaning of the document, which is exactly what Madison said, it, where you'd find it. That's originalism. But no, 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 religion, originalism, just idle tree of the document, and, and uh, the, the words can't change over time. This guy's a moron. But, I mean, people believe this. And, of course, he goes on to cite, he, he bashes the book and goes on to cite, uh, various Supreme Court cases, and he cites Joseph Story and Alexander Hamilton, and blah, 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 as, as evidence for his position. Uh, and at one point 
in this review. It's also funny. He says, well, McClanahan uses Hamilton to defend something, but then he's saying that Hamilton uh, was behind, you know, deceiving George Washington. That's true. Hamilton lied. And he said, well, did Hamilton lie? Yeah, Hamilton lied, which is why I've written a whole other book on that. He lied in 1787 and 1788 about what the Constitution was going to mean. And then when he was in power, he did something else. So, uh, but anyways, I digress. This whole point is that, yeah, Hamilton did lie. James Wilson did lie. John Marshall did lie. They all lied. And they actually had to make up a document, or at least Wilson did, to prove their lie. That, my friends, is all you need to put to rest this nationalist myth of American history. And I hope next time you're going to be able to do that. So the great lost cause, the great myth in American history is Lincolnian or nationalist myth. And that, more than anything else, is the core of the problems that we face in America. Think locally, act locally goes back to defeating that myth. And I hope that you look at this thing and you say, yeah, here it is. Wilson made this up. He lied. Okay, I'll see you next time on The Brian McClendon Show.